Hi, welcome everybody to the CarCast. This is episode 76 as we slowly approach the century mark and the final preseason broadcasts, perhaps. There's a chance we might not have a CarCast on Saturday to be determined. In the interim, I'm Owen Newkirk. He's Sean Shapiro. We still don't know where this entry ramp is, but we're getting there. Uh, tonight, Stars and Minnesota Wild at the AAC. Watch out for the lip there. That's a bump. That's a big lip, huh? Good thing you have a four-wheel drive SUV yes. to handle the urban jungle that is Dallas construction at the moment by 35. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, Sean, uh, this one did not leave that lingering taste of success in your mouth that some exciting games would have. It just kind of felt like like a bigger lineup tonight for both teams than we were used to seeing in some of the early preseason games as far as more NHL guys. Mm-hmm. I, I, used, it, I, yeah, and I just didn't feel like there was any intensity at all. I used the word snoozer. That's yeah. the word I used. It was kind it of... It was. It was a yawn. Game never really woke up. Um, you... First period was horrendous um, from an entertainment standpoint. And, well, the chances were terrible tonight. Oh, yeah. And... The name, I mean, I because it was a two to one because it was a one goal game. I guess you had some simulated urgency at the end because it was a one goal game, but really it wasn't. It wasn't it left a lot to be desired as far as a hockey game. I thought that the Stars were very blah offensively tonight. The only exception was Alexander Radulov because he does what he always does, which is compete no matter whether it's a practice game, a game after practice is over, or a preseason game or a Stanley Cup playoff game. He's going to really – I mean, maybe there's another level even for Rats, but he had – I had five quality chances down for him tonight. The whole team had nine. He was involved as usual. Yeah, and he's actually someone who kind of – had been kind of silent the last two, actually, but so – it was good to see him get back more involved. Um, he probably would have he would have scored to make it two two if Jason Robertson didn't mistakenly not, not mistakenly. That would have made the third period pretty interesting, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, he accidentally got in the way of Radulov, who stole a what is wouldn't you say is sort of a given Devin Dubnik misplay of the puck? Yeah. yeah. Now? I mean, I don't think that's unfair to say that he's good for one of those a game now. Yeah. I mean, he likes to get out and play it. But he seems to make some bad decisions. He's no Alex Stalock. I was kind of dis- <laughs> I was kind of disappointed Stalock didn't play. Why was- do you like Stalock so much? Because you really have talked about this before. I love watching Alex Stalock play because Alex Stalock's like the mad gambler, and it's just anything anything goes. He does go out and play yeah. any puck he can get to. Yes. The difference is like if you compared him to Bishop as far as how they play the puck. Bishop is very aggressive, but he seems to have a real sense of calm about his play and you expect him to make the right play you don't know what you're getting from state lock no bishop doesn't make it exciting bishop doesn't mean there's the occasional outlet pass that he makes i like the bishop yeah yeah, but but he doesn't make it exciting as far as state lock goes to play a puck and it's like the old like oh something's about to happen it could be good (laughs) it could be bad you don't know but something's happening honestly i felt that way i mean when you watch dupnik he's usually good for one of those not just go out and be not sure, but actually throw it away. So, Radulov steals. This is an early third period. It's a 2-1 game. He throws the puck right to Radulov. Dubnik does. And he shoots for the open net. Had him, but Robertson, who's doing what he's supposed to do, which is go to the net, hit his skate and he was in yeah. the way. And, yep. But anyway, 
Um, what about the Hudobin up that went for an icing on the power play? I like the attempt at least. I like but... the attempt, but I mean, it's kind of for, for a little while it was the highlight of the game. Like it was sad. Like um, speaking of Anton, he uh, he was good. I thought he looked solid back there. This ready was, to go, didn't he? Yeah, for someone who he played, he dealt with a groin injury. He was dealing with a groin injury, missed three practices last week. Would have played Tuesday in St. Louis if not for that, uh, if not for the the groin. Um, and basically, the Stars staff and medicals guys basically told him, "Hey, you don't need to get back onto the ice last Saturday like you tried to. You can wait. You can, like Hudobin wanted to practice this past Saturday, for example. Right. And they said, "No, hey, we don't do that. You don't need. Wait. You don't need." He rested. He waited it off. He didn't go Tuesday, and now he. He looked good tonight, and I think the Stars can feel confident because he's going to play either – I'm not sure which of those two games, but assuming Ben Bishop plays against Boston Thursday, he'll either play next next Saturday or Sunday, depending on how Jim Montgomery decides to use his goalies. My back to guess back. is you're going to see Hudobin on Sunday at Detroit. I think you go Bishop – unless Bishop really yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, no. play well against Boston, I think he goes Bishop for the first two. Remember, St. Louis, I know it's early in the season. It is a division game. Well, and it's it's a division game, and it's, it's, it's the played, rematch of the Stanley it, Cup. It's, it's second a play, round and, playoffs. And, and Jim Montgomery has gone into his uh, his bag before to use goalies past history in certain buildings as a reason yes. to play them there. And Bishop obviously has better past history than most in St. Louis. And of course, recently, yeah. it's his hometown. Yes, yeah. So I, I that's how I see it. But yeah. if you look at the schedule, Sean, uh, we're divulging or di. Uh, Digressing way away from this game doesn't almost doesn't even deserve the. There, I have one more point about the game, but I want to get yeah. to the the other thing. The Stars play. I counted it tonight. Fourteen games in October. Mm-hmm. Remember last year? I think they played ten, and it was spread out. They had mm-hmm. lots of time to practice. There is no time to breathe yeah. until early November for this team. So when they start playing, they're going to play games. They've back to backs in two of the first three weeks, and a lot of games early, which. I actually think because the, the lot of games are all Eastern Conference road games yeah. and home games, it's not awful travel. It's just a lot of games. And so they're going to have to get up and go and get into it quickly. But if they get off to a good start, that can be a benefit to them. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting schedule because you knock some Eastern Conference teams out completely early on. like Which is so weird, it's isn't like, it? It's like Washington. I, I can't remember if there's a game in between, but it's Washington. It's in Washington on a Tuesday. Because they play at home against Calgary. Yeah, yeah, so that's what it is. So it goes against – so it's they, have, they play Washington in two out of three games in October, and then they obviously don't play Washington again. So it's kind of a weird – yeah, the only other time yeah. they'd see him would be the Stanley Cup final, so that, yeah. and that would be six months later. Yeah. So, Seven months weird, later, really. It's kind of a weird setup. I guess to kind of get to tonight's game real quick, just before, might as well just get into the questions because I think we had a lot. We do. Um, but just to get to tonight's game, my two biggest takeaways okay. um, from it. First, the future is really bright for Thomas Harley. God, he keeps um, looking good, doesn't he? he keeps better and good. better. He keeps looking good. He's gonna just, he's gonna rip the OHL apart this year with. Do you think that's gonna be really good for him to be at I think the so. level he's at, having learned from Klingberg and Lindell and Haskin and how they get themselves ready and playing with that, and then going back and, I mean, if he's able to not fall into complacency and push forward, yeah. 
he could be one of the best defensemen in the in the Canadian juniors. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna go to the OHL. He's gonna play for Team Canada at World Junior this year. That'd be good. He's gonna, he is. It could be it could be fun in the long term to see him and Hishkinen paired together in the long term. They could do some fun things together. I mean, uh, if you think about it, Sean, long term here, and I don't want to get over excited just yet, but. You could have a top four of Klingberg, Lindell, Haskinen, and Harley for a very long time, and be in really good shape on the blue line. Yeah, and he's—I mean, he is a—he's looking like he's a first-round pick. So I don't ever want to use the word steal of a first-round pick, but he's looking—he's doing things as the 18th overall pick that you're saying. You don't expect like a top you, you don't expect him to be that ready as he is right now. That's just it. Yeah. It's not that we didn't think that Harley couldn't get there. Yes. It's so it's at this age. It's right. He's he's kind of I, I hate to say Miro esque because that's setting things so high. But nobody I, I, I don't know a single member of the Stars organization or the members of the the attending media that thought that he would be where he's at even well, in Traverse City. Well, I don't think anyone thought right? he'd still be being camp certainly at this point. That's uh, the point. Yeah. And, and don't and I, he can't be compared to Hashkin, and it's not fair. No, it isn't. It's not fair. Um, but he he's having this sort of accelerated progress that very few people do. Like you know, for example, there'll be the oh, there's a jump here. Rope yeah. Hans had a real jump forward in the middle of last season where he really started to turn a corner. Yeah. Harley has done that. I mean, from age 15, he wasn't even the best player on his you know his. Uh, what's the name of the? It's not Pee Wee. It's the next one. Midget. Yeah, I mean his midget team. He wasn't. It's 15 year old. Yeah. He played with Johnny Beecher at the Syracuse Stars. Beecher was the first round pick for the Bruins this past year, and he probably wasn't even the fifth best player on that team. Yeah. And the point is, and he would admit that. He told us that on the post game yeah. show tonight. He's had these accelerated jumps every year. It seems he gets better and better, but like massively better. Not just well, you know, you see incremental steps. Very exciting. The thing for me that I like most about what Harley's done is, um, first, it happened in Traverse City. It happened right. in the first preseason game. Um, you said you didn't think he stood out no, in a positive and, way in the first Traverse and City so, game. And well, so, that's what I'm getting to. He had he was a slow starter out of the gate in Traverse City. He was a slow starter in his first... I felt he had... He took, he took a period and a half to get his feet under him in the first NHL preseason game. However, those... Those slow starts, he's kind of eliminated, which I think. Except for the work convoy, yeah. Sean. Come on. Yeah. Sean's trying to do the drive-by here on the guys cutting the the new pieces of guardrail. Yeah. Um, no respect for the late-night construction workers. They're over. Um, the law, I think, I think it's explicit here in Texas that if you have the opportunity to move over and give law enforcement or construction a, a, a lane berth, you should do that. You're obliged to. And I did. Uh, it felt like I had to co- coerce you a little bit over there. <laughs> you were making a point. I understand. Anywho, um, <laughs> Thomas Harley, bright future. The other thing out of tonight that was that's takeaway one for me. The other yep. takeaway out of tonight that's kind of just you look at it from a frustration standpoint. And you don't want to completely write it off, but I'm okay with Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan. Yes, I, I'm okay with them being blah in preseason. I because you know they're just trying to get through the games. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. The fact that Nick Camano, the fact that uh, Dennis Gurionov, the fact that uh, Jason Robertson, that Jason Robertson, the fact that none of them are going out there and 
none of them went out there and grabbed this 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 window of opportunity and be like, okay, everything else is blah, but I can be the energy bolt. I they should be, be the most intense yeah. players on the team. Not, it, I mean, it's not about effort. Everybody's trying, yeah. but there's an intensity level that many NHL established players don't have in the preseason because they know it's preseason. Yeah. But those other guys, hey, there's a spot open. Corey Perry's hurt. Somebody's going to play on the opening night roster and actually play against the Bruins. Is it going to be you? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No, and, and the lack of that intensity from the younger guys. And I asked Jim Montgomery about after the game if he saw any of it. And he also said he frankly said no, he didn't. So yeah. um, those were my two biggest takeaways. I agree with both of yeah. those. Those yep. were my two biggest takeaways. I mean, the, my, I guess the other one was just Hudobin looking no, no need to worry about Hudobin. Why don't we go to the questions? Let's, let's go see. to the lightning round. We have lots to get through. So let's do it. So we're going to – bear with me a second because we have to get ourselves back to the original CarCast hashtag. CarCast hashtag. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some early ones today, but I said make sure you use the hashtag. So let's see if they actually did that. Yeah. Gallup Gus, what are some of your favorite game day traditions besides the CarCast on home game nights? Of course. Game day traditions. Game day Anything traditions. that you particularly enjoy, part of your normal routine. Um, well, I have two very different game day routines, depending, depending on where the game is. If it's because if it's here um, in Dallas, it's very it's very much of a I get I get I get home from the rink, I get a little bit of work done, and then I go and pick up my daughter from daycare, and then I watch my daughter until I head to the rink. So it's not really. That there's that routine, and then there's the road routine, which um, I end up typically at the hotel that's like right near the arena, and I end up taking a nap. <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And so it's two yes. very different routines for me, um, depending on where the game is. Um, I I don't know if there's a favorite game day routine. I like the I like the world where I can take the afternoon nap. It kind of helps. It makes me not have to drink less coffee in the evening. So um, sometimes <laughs> some sometimes I can get the sometimes I can get the afternoon nap in for a home game. But it's something that obviously you know, having uh, children yourself, it's not always the easiest thing. And uh, um, so I end up having a little bit more coffee than usual. I would say the opposite of my favorite is my least favorite thing about home games is battling Dallas traffic. We have to go downtown yes. for morning skate. We have to go downtown for the games. Yeah. Morning skate driving is usually okay. If you're driving at the 930 to 1030 range because usually it starts skate at 1030 for home games. And then you're driving back around noon, 1230. Traffic is full heavy but not awful yeah. getting to weeknight particularly weeknight home games at 5 5 30 4 30 when we're driving is just a beating and it sucks a lot of life out of you fortunately we have a couple hours once we get there to get the energy going again yeah. and the, usually the games get me fired up but getting from our respective homes driving together and getting downtown can be really that's yeah. it's not fun yeah but anyway uh andrew writes in Clears throat. Ahem. What do you expect to see this year with Monty changing the process? I assume faceoffs will still be important, but I know Monty likes to keep his process short and concise. Now, let me give you the backstory, and then Sean, will, you can have your opinion on. It. Uh, this morning, without a doubt, the most interesting thing out of the morning skate conversation with Jim Montgomery was he's changing his five-step process, eliminating from that 56 percent 
of your face-offs, uh, winning 56% of the face-offs in the game, to averaging less than 40 seconds per shift at 5-on-5 five five play for the entire game for the whole team. And that is something of those five key points that he says, if we focus on these, we will generally win a lot more than we don't. And uh, we heard from Monty, and then I talked to John Stevens a little bit about it after that. Very fascinating stuff. I think he's screwing with me. <laughs> you think so? I'm, I literally tried to try. I mean, I, I'm sure there's a mathematician out there who can help me. I tried. I was trying to track it because I track, the, I track it all. Um, he's just trying to not let you be able to do all five for your 2020? I, I mean, I'm, I still have to figure out the formula how to figure it out. Well, it's, it's funny because John Stevens said... I asked, so he's the star's assistant coach yeah. they brought in this year, former L.A. Kings and Philadelphia Flyers. Let me, let, me, let, me be, let me be clear. I don't actually think he's screwing with me. It's actually a good – I think it's a good thing. Right. But figuring it out – But they're trying to make your life harder. Yes. John Stevens said that we have the analytics. So they don't actually do it themselves. Because I asked yes. him, I said, how are you doing that? Yeah. And he said, no, well, we have the analytics available to, to – So yeah. they probably have their company that they use mm-hmm. giving them that after the game so they can go look at it. Yes. But what John Stevens said was you can't look at that for the entire game at all strengths because – Sometimes on the power play, you're out there for the whole two minutes yeah. because you're doing well. Sometimes on the penalty kill, you're out for a while because we want, or you get stuck in there. He goes, you have to get rid of that. He said, typically, if you are having long shifts at even strength, it's probably saying that you're getting stuck in your own zone or you're not changing responsibly. And he said, if we're playing well as a team, we are getting out of our zone quickly and we're keeping the energy high by not staying out for minute-long shifts. Yeah, and... As far as changing things and points of emphasis, things like that, it's not like Jim Montgomery said we don't want to win faceoffs anymore because he looks at faceoffs. It wasn't always the NHL official statistics for faceoffs. It was how they judged each faceoff. Um, and so winning battles is still going to be important, yes. but it's not going to be something that. Um, They're not taking any emphasis off of faceoffs. They're also, just trying to focus the it, players it, on it, certain it also, things. It also was kind of the point of emphasis that had the second least amount of impact on wins and losses last year. Yeah, your, your, yeah. your tracking last year really talked a lot about net front battle, special teams. Yeah, the odd man rushes. And odd man the, rushes, and they, and, those and, were the big ones. the undisciplined penalties actually didn't have as much of an impact because of how good the penalty kill was. But they really year. do want to try yes, to keep yes, the players from yes. doing that anyway. Yes. Uh, Matt writes in, great idea or greatest idea? Really hemming us in already. Uh, okay, wow. We all throw socks onto the ice when Dobby gets... A shutout, preferably clean socks, bonus points for hockey socks. So what he's saying yeah. here is Dobby the house elf yes. received a sock, was gifted an article of clothing, and so he was set free from the Malfoys. Yes. I get the, the line, do you want Stars fans to bring socks to throw on the ice after the game for a sh- I mean, look. You don't get a lot of shutouts during the course of the season. Yeah. So I mean, if you're committed, fine. Um, I think a better a better way to if you, if you want to celebrate Antonio Dobin with socks, I think the better way is you find some local charity that donates to like a homeless shelter, and you can bring socks to the game, and maybe uh, do something along the lines where someone maybe the Stars Foundation could do like a sock collection and. <laughs> 
like just like like fresh one. Like I'm I'm just thinking of a good way to handle like a nice way you can handle this and set it up to help the community with all those socks if people are wanting if to. If you're in that much desire to throw socks, yeah, maybe because if you throw them on the ice, they're not going to be clean anymore. I mean, and also with the right, unless and, they're in a yeah, package. And, and even if Anton Hudobin has a tremendous year, I mean, he only had two shutouts last year. And if you throw not... a package of socks on the ice, it's just not going to have the same impact. Yeah. Um, Scott writes in, what do you think of a rule change where goalies are exempt from icing the puck? It should boost offense and goalies scoring stats immensely, which is what we're all here for. How would it boost goalie scoring stats? They're throwing the puck down the ice, and so maybe the next guy that chases it gets it and they get more second assists or something. I actually think this is anti the helping offense because they got rid of – or they – brought in the trapezoid because of Martin Berdur. Yeah. They're trying to, or they put it in to say, hey, you can only play behind the net. He was going out in the corners, making yeah. great plays, and getting it out of their zone. So less offense. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't like this because encouraging anybody to ice the puck leads to less. If goalies can clear it, Ben Bishop is so good handling the puck that if he was allowed to ice it without any consequences, he would do that. And, and it, wouldn't, it wouldn't lead to what it would lead to. Um, more line changes. Yeah, it would lead to more line changes. It wouldn't lead to more scoring events. It would lead to more line changes. Um, if 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 you had that where they couldn't ice the puck, um, and I just yeah I don't. Goalies hardly ice the puck. I mean, Hudobin did it tonight, but like goalies hardly ever ice the puck anyway. So. Uh, last one of the pre-call for questions. Okay. Brad writes in, any concerns whatsoever about the lack of offense so far in the preseason? The results don't matter, but the process does. So far, the process looks fugly for the Stars in generating quality chances. Yes and no. Um, Jim Montgomery would... By the way, there, Sean, there are others that say, why can't we score? That's fine. I mean, Jim Montgomery would would uh, both agree and disagree with your assessment there. He, as he said tonight... There are certain steps he saw the team take. Took ugh, he saw he saw the team take certain steps tonight, um, and I don't. On one hand, there's slight area to be concerned, but I have such a hard time getting concerned about a preseason game where no player will say this, but Tyler Sagan doesn't care what happens tonight. Joe Pavelski, uh, I mean, Tyler Sagan doesn't care whether the Stars win or lose this game tonight, just as far as he doesn't care about putting his body on the line and getting offense done. And I'm not singling Tyler out. I'm just singling out pretty much most established NHL players don't care about preseason games. Right. Um, I don't I, – it goes back to the old cliched of the – what was it? Not cliche. The, the tried and true statement of they were what, one six and one in 2015-16. It's, yeah, yeah, they then, they like no, it was one and six. One and six. Okay. They only played seven. Okay. But they they and of course Lindy Ruff's team had a tough preseason as far as results, and we went into the first week of the season getting ready for the first game, and Jim Nill even answered and said, you know what? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned about it. Yes, it's only preseason. If we go six and one, we're probably not popping champagne corks and saying, hey, we're great. But, yes, it's something we're concerned about. And then they ripped off a great start, spent a lot of time focusing on a great start. It just doesn't really co- uh, correlate to success. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, there is, I don't yeah. think we've seen regular season intensity yet. No. Because it's like, not. Like, there, there is – And they haven't had the full lineup either. No. And, the, I mean, okay, the area for concern is – I'm not – the area for concern is that 
Denis Gurionov has not done anything. That's an area It's individual concerns yeah, it's of in, certain players. It's individual not, not concerns of guys who we thought might be more of an offensive solution this year who haven't done anything in that realm. And those are guys who that's more of the area of concern, but I can't I have a hard time getting overly concerned about preseason just because I don't think uh, the only reason we know that the Stars were one and six in 2015-16 is because we went and looked it up and it was such a notable thing. But do you remember what happened well, in preseason last year? You probably don't. I also like, remember it too because it was a big point of emphasis yeah. because the team was coming off missing the playoffs the year yeah. before. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I'm not that concerned. Hunter writes in, name the Stars opening night lineup. So take the lineup for tonight, mm-hmm. add in Yanmark and Jamie Benn. Maybe so, not Yanmark, but... You don't think? Oh, I mean, he's in for sure. He's on your fourth line with J- uh, Justin Dowling, and depending on if Corey Perry's healthy or not, he or the guy that makes the the other forward that makes the 13-14. So for me, it's the group we had tonight with Ben in it. Yeah. I think Dickinson stays in the top six mm-hmm. for I, now. I think he's better on the wing. Uh, maybe they have Pavelski in the middle yeah. with... But Dickinson playing the right. Yeah. Jamie on the left. Yeah. Or maybe they move hints around. Yeah. Put Favelski out with Sagan. I mean, we'll see. There's a whole bunch of combinations they can do. Yeah. And then I think you're looking at defense pairs of it's Lindell Klingberg. Uh, but the, the defense pairs, I think, are going to be very juggled anyway throughout the game. Yes. Um, but kind of your six are going to be Lindell, Klingberg, Polak, Heshkinen, and Sakara Alexiak to start the season. It's interesting because could be Sakara and... Alexiak are starting to show some chemistry. Yeah. And I like that. I like yeah. the different styles, the big, strong defenseman with a smaller, yeah. quicker motion, motion kind of thing. Polak and uh, – look, you can say what you want about what Roman Polak did last year. Some people were not as happy as others. We liked his game a lot. But he might play fewer minutes but still play with Miro for a, a good chunk of it. Miro's going to play with multiple – defensive partners. I think the typical night for Miro this season is going to be the night where he is going to end up with 25, 26 minutes a night and his quote-unquote partner that you see to start the game will probably be with him for 17, 18 minutes but then there's another nine minutes there where he's taking an offensive zone start with Klingberg. He's yep. taking a defensive zone start with this guy or this or and that. Or... Yeah, like I just I think yep. there is I, I, I think you're starting to see the, uh, not that there ever were training wheels on Heishkinen, but any any resemblance of qualm at all with his game are gone. Yep. He is going to be treated like someone who the coaches think can win a Norris Trophy at some point. The interesting part will be how teams start to yeah. to go after him or plan and scheme for him because, obviously, if there was any surprises during the course of early of last year, everyone's going to be aware of him. But what I think really going to happen, Sean, is that if you have – sort of like mixing matching on the deep pairings, mm-hmm. you're going to have one of the Stars' top three on the ice for most of the game. I think so, too. Ben, uh, yeah. Klingberg, Lindell, or Haskinen, with those different pairing combinations they have, whether it's on the PK, power play, offensive zone star, deep, one of those guys can be out on the ice. I mean, it, they get a 50 minutes where one, at least one of those three is, is on the ice, and that's a really good plan, I think. Yeah. Uh, next question. Chances of a Stars Nachushkin grudge match a la Nemeth on Saturday. Uh, grudge match? Like, what do you mean? Remember Nemeth 
was with the Colorado Avalanche, and he had that game where he and uh, Sagan got into it a little bit, right? Well, no, Val, does, Val doesn't take penalties. <laughs> it would be a first oh, from last year. Look, Val's just not that kind of player. Um, he's going to want to play well against his former team. But yeah. uh, Andrew asked the same questions, why they can't score. Um, Stefan used the hashtag because he wrote one without it. When do the rosters have to be finalized? Still some decisions to make, and outside Harley, I know Sean says he can't even get a look at Max in NHL 9 games. Nobody who wasn't penciled in a roster spot already looks any good. Not just the forwards, by the way. Fadun also looked bad. I didn't think Fadun looked bad. He made a couple of mistakes tonight with the puck, but he looked yeah, fine. Yeah, he, he lost his stick on the uh, on the Greenway goal. Well, he, had a, he broke his stick. Yeah. Uh, and um, by the way, funniest thing that Jim Montgomery said this morning was he referred to the Hanley Fadun pairing as the twin towers because of their diminutive stature, yeah. not their you know, large physical size. I got a kick out of that at least. Yeah. Any uh, rosters are due Tuesday? Wednesday. Uh, the first? They're due Wednesday. Wednesday the, Wednesday the They're second. They're due Wednesday the second. Which um, is, by the way, the first game. Which is why it's the benefit to actually, um, well, I mean, if you're playing the first game, you, there's a there's a chance you're playing that night because you're Stanley Cup champion and raising the banner. So you'd like to do that. But the benefit of not playing that night is, um, it allows you can make a day two transaction. You can make a day two transaction, and you could get uh, LTIR things done. And the stars aren't going to do anything like that. Um, right. Just a reminder. Yes, Martin Hansel's out for the year. Probably going to retire after this year. I guess, right, from physical injury. Yeah. This everyone said, well, they'll put him on LTIR first day. No. And then you have all that extra room. No. They will only do it if they need it yeah. later in the season. And I've I've been told and I've been heard that there there might be times they use it and then take him off of it because there might be times where um, if an injury happens and they need to get to a certain spot they may uh, put him put him on LTIR then bring him back off. Because remember, placing somebody on regular injury reserve allows for an open yeah. roster spot, but it doesn't give you any cap relief. Yeah, and so which it, is a common misconception. Correct. Christopher writes in, what will become of the cap space the Stars ha- will have from St- Johns and Hansel on LTIR? Also, any word on either of the release PTOs getting offers elsewhere? He's talking about Upshaw and Nason. Uh, we kind of talked about LTIR. So, yeah, let me go over that stuff real quick because i got a couple things on those. Um, as far as, once again, LTIR is not something that's going to – it's only going to be – it's probably only going to be a factor for the Stars if they make a trade. Uh, if the rule was such, Sean, where you could put them on LTIR and get the cap relief and then not have to make it up if you took them off, mm-hmm. then you'd probably do it. Yes. Or if it didn't affect season-ending performance bonuses. Yeah. But there are a couple of different cap-related things where that just doesn't make sense to do it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Uh, as far as I don't – I know – I don't know about any – I don't know about – complete legitimate interest interest but i do know there's some nhl teams that have kicked the tires on upshill okay um after his his showing in preseason and i've heard that uh i've heard that nason has gotten some sniffs from some minor league teams but uh there's the nason's at the point where he can probably sign with a minor league team two, three weeks from now anyway yeah um so it's more if he wanted to he could yeah. try the texas stars if he wanted to be in the yeah. state um, question from Stars Potter. 
do you know if they're doing a documentary on the Winter Classic this year like HBO usually does? He's, I think he's talking about the 24-7. Yeah, it hasn't been HBO for like five or six years now, though. It's been, uh, it's like the, like it's on, it would have been on, uh. Was it on NBCSN? Yeah, and it was on another channel, was too. It on Showtime? or it, they, it was HBO for a bit, and then it was, uh, like some channel that I only ever watched. I didn't even watch it. I, I only had ever heard of that channel because it was on there, like, uh. I can't remember what the name of that channel was. I'm not sure where you're going with this, so yeah, no, but I'll it was the fifth. But it's it's the same guys. It's the same guys. It's the same production. It. It's group. the same production crew. They just keep getting hired by whether it's HBO or. or is, I don't know. I haven't heard anything yeah, about yeah. the stars being involved in that. But. I think there's gonna be something. I but I don't think it's as intense as it used to be because, um, and this is not to downplay the Winter Classic here, but the Winter Classic is not as big of a deal as it used to be. Like, well, I mean, it's not they've, a they've, brand they've, new They've, they've, they've event. watered down the outdoor games because there's so many of them now. Doing the stadium series stuff obviously makes outdoor games. Now, this is still the NBC one. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's still a big game. You're right. As far as the, the entire yearning for it, it's not like the first one where you see Buffalo and Pittsburgh and go, this is cool. Let's do this. You know, what a great event. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm super excited about it. I think it's going to be a great thing locally. Yeah. What, Sean, I think you're saying is that it doesn't have the draw around the country from the other non-involved teams' fan bases that it does for the ones that are actually involved yes, in it. Yes, yes. That, that's my that's, – I think it's, it's coming – I think Dallas is going to be excited about it. I think Nashville is going to be excited about it. But I don't know if they're if – I'm not sure how much people around the rest of the country will, will care about it. Just like – I don't. I even have a hard time remembering who played in the Winter Classic last year. Myself. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, let's move on from that because Court wants to try to derail us. Hockey first, she says. Yeah. Who's your biggest disappointment of the preseason with one game left? Anyone you expected more out of? She has a derailing question. We'll get to that in a minute. Biggest disappointment. Um. I mean, the biggest disappointment is Gurionov not seizing an opportunity. That's really. I think we thought. That going into training camp, that he would probably make the NHL roster. Yeah. I don't know if that's a confident statement now. I still feel confident that he's going to be on the team. Um, Think? Just because. Well, here's why. He doesn't have to clear waivers. Yeah, but he does. The guys who are still around that have fought for those roles, they haven't done enough to bounce him. Out. Yes, um, but he hasn't done much to earn it either. No, he hasn't. But he also there is kind of the tie goes to the first round pick. You're trying to here's rescue. Here's the problem about that. You really want him to play. Yeah. Okay. He's not going to play if Corey Perry's healthy. Mm-hmm. He'll be the 13th forward. We also don't know if Corey Perry's healthy. Right. Well, we don't know. We'll find out more tomorrow. We'll find out whether he can get going within a week. I, you play a ton of games. Maybe you don't need to have him ready for opening night. One of the reasons we'd be cool is that if he is ready opening night and plays all the way until October 24th, he'll hit a thousand games at in Dallas against the Anaheim Ducks. Mm-hmm. That would be a great milestone, yeah. Great storyline to play against the original team he was with for so long and played almost a thousand games with. And I mean that would be really cool, but that's not the Stars' biggest concern. It's getting no. him healthy to play for a long part of the season. Um, I get. I think Gurianov is probably that. To me, the it's just that somebody hasn't on the you know the, there hasn't been much in the way of roster spots available at the forwards. There's a whole bunch of them mm-hmm. that are AHL guys, prospects, 
And I just don't know if anybody's risen. You say, wow, you know, we were so excited about what Thomas Harley's shown. I'm just not thrilled. Now, I think Kamano's all right. I think Gardner's shown they're, they're progressing, but nobody's gone, you know what? This is my job. I'm going to take it. Yeah. Uh, court's derailing questions. You go, Ooh, do I, do I derail the car cast with a food question again? Yes, I do. County fair is going on here. State fair just started up there. She's talking about Dallas. Of course, court drives down from Austin. What's your favorite fair food? Favorite fair food? This is an easy one for me. I like doughboys. Some, some fairs call them elephant ears. Ah, okay. But I'm a big fan of the doughboy. Fried dough. Powdered sugar, uh, granulated cinnamon sugar mix. Pour that all over a big, greasy, doughy mess all over your face because powdered sugar you can't eat cleanly anyway. I'm a big doughboy. That's from the Blue Hill Fair where I grew up in Maine. That was always my favorite. That and uh, there was a certain stand that does French fries called mm-hmm. King and Queen fries that were really, really good. And the not the fair ones, but we had a local stand that did fresh squeeze the lemonade where they squeeze the, the half a lemon and then, you know, water and sugar and mix it. And the, there's a difference between the ones that are the, the branded ones that follow the county fairs around and then the, the ones that are local. Yeah. So I, to me, I guess to me, the food is I'm all food. I, I don't know if I have a, I, mean, I don't dislike fair food, but I don't know if I have a favorite fair food that stands out. But I always like the lemonades. Like, I think yeah, I like the lemonades. Yeah. Big uh, fan of that. I'm not as big a fan of funnel cake. I like the doughboy over the funnel cake. That's my hot take on what it. What I don't like, which is a fair food that I just never thought was practical and was and sticky, was and was never a big cotton candy fan. Yeah, I don't mind cotton candy, but I can do without it. Yeah. All right. So sorry, Court, you didn't really derail us as much as you thought you would. Uh, Ardell writes in: Do we think Dowling makes the opening night roster? Why or why not? Gurionov hasn't shown much improvement this thus far. Gurionov all speedy and Russian, but no finish with the capital F. Um, I mean, it's not a question if Dowling makes the opening right. Right, roster. he is going to make it. Yeah. I said it all along. Yeah. I th- there were so, before training camp started, some people thought he might not because young guys might come up and take the spots. Before training, I mean, before training camp started, he was in that realm. I of, was confident the whole time, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Yeah, but he, Dowling was in that realm of. It was always his job unless someone came in and took it and came in and took it and no one came and took it and he, and he didn't give it up and no he he's on the NHL roster I mean I to me the the most the most incredible thing to me about Dowling even being a question of him making the team or not is the amount of people that thought he there was a chance he there was a real chance he wouldn't when Jim Montgomery played him in all thirteen playoff games like. Like, this guy has the coach's trust, and this is... Which is a huge deal, by the way, people. Which is is a huge deal. He has the coach's trust. He played all 13 playoff games. For him to go from playing all 13 playoff games to completely falling off the NHL roster, a lot of things would have to happen. And so, I just... I. To me, I was always kind of baffled at at the overarching look where people thought there was such a real possibility that he wouldn't make the team. That yes. was always kind of more yeah, of a surprise Yeah, I me. was very surprised to hear people take make those takes because, I mean, he's he has incredible hockey sense. They Monty really likes that aspect of it, He's that he's a smart player, that he's uh, responsible in good positions, can play on the power play, has great skill, but can play. I mean, he he's doing what 
a lot of AHL skill guys struggle with, which is adapt his game to play in the bottom six while also offering something on special teams to make you uh, valuable. Coaches have a very hard time having a guy on the third or fourth line that can't do something special teams, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. then you feel like it's a wasted roster spot. Yes. So if you can't do a power play, you've got to be able to kill penalties. If you can't, uh, you know, kill penalties, you better be a good power play guy, you know, to be on the fourth line. You, or you might be the agitator, the physical threat. you got to have something mm-hmm. because you can't just be another. I mean, look, anybody that makes the NHL is a great player, but – there's so much. Uh, there's there's only so many roles out there and so much ice time. You've got to bring something to the table. Yeah, I I, I just I I look back at it and it's still kind of one of those things where I kind of scratch my head. The amount of people who thought there was he wasn't going to make the team. Yeah. Um. Okay. That's it. I mean, we have a couple non hashtags, but I don't think we were to reward that, right? Unless there's anything really. Just, I mean, if you want to give it the quick perusal, unless there's mm-hmm. something that's really. Uh, Interesting. There's a funny gif of a kid in a baby bumpo, or in the little curled seed pillow. I can't remember <laughs> what that's called. It's not a bumpo. What is that? Bumpo is the sit-up yeah. device. I can't remember what that is. It's been too long since my kids were that little, but something about long-term IR and Hansel, and we've already gone over that. So, no, I think we're pretty good tonight. We've done a lot. It's late, and I'm tired. Yep. Uh, I'm sure you are. I am very tired. And uh, we'll find out more about Corey Perry tomorrow. I guess the big thing for me, Sean, is that if Corey Perry is ready to go, because he he would have oh, if he's ready to start skating, let's say tomorrow. That's the the best case scenario, right? Mm-hmm. He would have a week to get. A, I wouldn't be necessarily against playing him on the fourth line after a week of skating, but he's not going to play in the top six against Boston next Thursday if his first skate is tomorrow. And that's best case scenario, right? Am I wrong on that? Okay. Is that. there any sir, sir, is there a scenario where Corey Perry is in your on your second line on opening night? Not with not with how Jason Dickinson has played. Yeah. If if Jason if if you had, um, because you had five, right? You had five. You had five of your top six set. It's Ben Sagan, Radulov, Hints, and Pavelski, and Joe uh, Pavelski. And, no question. And Jason Dickinson has gone and stated that I am the sixth member of the top six right now. And and Monty and, knows that if he needs to, he can put Dickinson on the fourth line, and mm-hmm. he's fine. Look, yeah. the third line is set. Cogliano, Fox, Como. You're not going to mess with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. As long as everybody stays healthy. Now. Injuries dictate changes. We might yeah. see that. Knock on wood, we don't want to see it, but you know that happens every year. I think the Stars have some good depth. There's some guys in the AHL. Uh, maybe the biggest surprise is uh, how quickly Kiviranta was cut. I thought he'd be one of the final cuts. He was I, th- not. I thought he would, too. He went through his last two games, though. He made quite a few mistakes. Right. And it was the type of thing where they're looking – if you're in a competition where you're trying to win that job – if no one is really stepping up to win the job, right? It's who's it's not. The, it's the mistakes right. that then yep. it become more amplified. All right, Carcast seventy six in the books. Next one might be after Saturday's game against Colorado, the final preseason game. If not, it'll definitely be against Boston on October third. Uh, we have some potential changes in logistics that we have to figure out. So, if that's the case, either way, thanks for listening and. Uh, Have a nice weekend, regardless. Have a nice weekend.